or my Hathorah. When I heard a knock on my bedroom door, I opened it up and to my surprise, there was a werewolf standing there with glowing gold eyes. He says, tomorrow, my son, you will be a man. But tonight's the time to join the Wolfen Clan. Tomorrow, you will stand at the beamer and pray. But tonight, let's gaze at the moon and bathe. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky scary, boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah F. Decker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by former co-host Ollie Brady for a spooky Halloween episode on 2018 film The Headhunter, which, spoiler alert, was not actually that spooky. Welcome, Ollie. Uh, hey, Sarah. Um, so for all the listeners, I'm, I'm going to give a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, Sarah does, and I've mentioned this loads of times, these notes for the episodes. So there's two things about the notes today. One, they're the shortest I've ever seen them. And <laughs> two, the guest introduction section has two points. One is tell the listeners about yourself. So I will. Uh, so my name is Ollie Brady. I'm a physicist. <laughs> I live in Ireland. I like science and stuff and people getting stabbed. Brilliant. Right. And the second bit said is, why did you want to agree to question mark talk about this movie? <laughs> so uh, this is more of an agree to situation. I had never heard of this movie. Um, I have no idea how Sarah heard of this movie and she's going to have to explain it in a moment. I will. This isn't a movie. I like <laughs> I don't even know what this is. We watched it yesterday. And we were, what we do is we, we watch stuff and, and text at the same time. And uh, I think, Sarah, sometimes you, like, that's, like, the way I'm stuttering is how my brain is reacting to this movie. Like, usually I think Sarah goes through the messages that we send afterwards for, like, talking points. Uh-huh. I imagine that she went through that and she was just writing down, what the fuck? What the fuck? What is this? Yep. What the hell? Who? What? Mm-hmm. Off screen? Like, because everything... <laughs> that was pretty much it, yes. Everything happens off screen. It is some of the weirdest stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And as for not spooky, I, look, I'm not one for horror movies. <laughs> I never have been. I don't think I ever will be. But to describe this as horror is basically going, well, it doesn't fit any other genre. So let's just say it's horror because it's a monster right yeah so i do like horror movies or some horror movies at least i like supernatural sort of horror movies and i realized that there was a halloween release date precisely and so i was like okay i'm going to google like a medieval like what is a medieval horror movie and this was what came up this was a top result if you google medieval horror movie so i was like all right Let's watch this. This is the top and, result. Yes. Which I guess means there really aren't a lot in the way of medieval horror movies. The other thing that got brought up as horror, but we already recorded this episode, is uh, Black Death. So, Sarah, now you're actually ruining my bit because when you were going to bring up the cast, I was going to start talking about Sean Bean, Eddie Redmayne. 
I'd just be like, no, we're talking about this movie again because it makes more sense than The Headhunter 2018, which is how I'm going to refer to it every time. It is starring several people whom you have not heard of and who do not have Wikipedia pages. That's... Uh, it's how I would describe them, but I will say their names. Always a good sign. Um, I listen to a lot of football <laughs> podcasts and that's always the recurring joke when a young player who's never played before in like the Premiership or the Champions League scores his first goal. The journalists mm-hmm. on the podcast always go, it's really, it's annoying when they don't have a Wikipedia page because then you can't put anything mm. about them in your article. Because obviously you don't know who Harvey Elliott for Liverpool is. Uh-huh. Uh, well, two years ago, you probably didn't. You, you probably would now if you're a sport, a football journalist. But two years ago, you mm-hmm. had no idea who he was when he scored his first goal because... He was some right. 16-year-old kid out of nowhere. And yeah. that's what this looks like because I went and looked up the movie while we were watching. And I'm going, Christopher <laughs> Reich? What? Who plays the headhunter. Cora Coffin as his daughter. No name. <laughs> and Aisha Ricketts as the head. The head. That is the yes. name of somebody in this movie and he is the head hunter so mm, yes perhaps there's some connection there uh, <laughs> one thing i would say about christopher rye is he looks like daniel Brühl with a beard yeah and is ripped oh yeah like if daniel Brühl was to get ripped he'd look like this guy yeah which i i mean i assume that's basically why they chose him is he's like very like large and muscly like he looks like he could fight monsters we don't know if he can because we don't really see ever see it we, but he looks like he could we do not see him fighting monsters we see the aftermath of him fighting monsters we do um we see several things that happen after he has fought monsters yeah so so obviously the first section is Enumeratio. But I'm going to... Normally when, when I'm a guest on the podcast or a co-host of the podcast, I, I take the most of this bit, but I I can't even begin. Like, I'm just going to sit back... But it's not really a plot. ...and let you explain what happened to me because I really want to know. Well, first, there's a lot of suspenseful, dramatic music. Yep, the close... described by the closed caption. The closed caption told me that repeatedly. <laughs> And there's some eerie symbols, so it's clearly trying to pretend it's going to be very spooky. And then we have our heavily bearded man, who, based on these sounds we hear off screen, has presumably killed a monster. It's so... It's so. I'm assuming nobody has watched this, right? Probably not. He He's, uh, he's on screen, he's got a beard, he's heavily bearded, um, and then he walks off screen. Uh-huh. And we hear rah 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 clink clink clink, <laughs> and then he walks back in screen, so and he's like got a head. Monster's dead. He's got that head. Yeah, because he is, of course, a headhunter. Okay, what is would you say is like a normal film budget? Like not necessarily like an intense, excessive film budget, but like what would you say is like a normal budget for a movie? So, okay. Like a movie that's going to get into cinemas. Yeah, like a movie that's like a relatively normal, like not the biggest budget movie, but not the smallest budget movie. Like something that maybe would have like some special effects, but nothing too intense. Like what would you assume that movie would cost? Okay, so 
Sarah, as you know, I listen to Blank Check. Mm-hmm. And they play the box office game. It's a game. great podcast. It's a brilliant podcast. And they play the box office game at the end of all of their episodes. And during the box office game, they always talk about the budgets of the movies. So, uh-huh. for example, I know that the movie Memento mm-hmm. cost $4.2 million to make. Right? Jesus. Which is. What did they spend that on? Uh, Guy Pierce. Fake tattoos? Oh, yeah, well, fair. Probably. Um, he had he had just been Oscar nominated for LA Confidential, so True. it's a good chance he'd gotten the money for that. Um, I like to think that it's just a full million dollars that they spent on Sharpies to do his tattoos. That's probably a good chance that it was just paying <laughs> tattoo artists to draw those onto him. Um, let me see. Uh, Bound, the uh, the first movie, Bound, the Bachowskis, that had mm-hmm. a budget of six million. Okay. Um, so I'm going to guess that this had a budget of... About four thousand dollars. More than that, thirty thousand. This movie cost thirty thousand dollars to make. The, I, where? Where? <laughs> like, did they buy and the cameras? A lot of it is like renting equipment. Yeah, like probably a lot of it is like for the equipment, and maybe some for like I don't know location fees. Like I don't know how that works. Yeah, and you probably do have to pay if you're going to be out in uh, really bad woods. Right. It's the it's the most desolate woods I've ever seen. Right. And they do have to pay the three actors something. And they probably had to pay like an artist to do the like various book pages that you see. Hmm. They had to buy that like weird like wood cabinet window. Yeah. What was? Okay. There's a couple of things that <laughs> we'll get to. We'll, we'll get to just bizarre decisions that this man makes. Right. But yeah, but I, I tend to assume. That most movies cost more than I make in a year. And this yeah. does not. It, co- it costs about what I made as a graduate student. Humble brag again. Sarah <laughs> Just uh, talking about her gigantic wages as a college professor in America. No, I mean, they are not gigantic, but they are better than 30000 which Every- is, sli- as I said, this, is, this costs slightly more than it would have paid to support a Yale graduate student for one year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sarah, could you just uh, stamp your right foot on the ground so everybody can hear? Get me. My hardwood what, floors. What's this? Oh, this is my hardwood floors. That's the sign of some hardwood floors that she's been humble bragging about since we got onto this call. <laughs> oh, oh, the sound, the acoustics are different in this room because of my hardwood. My hardwood floors. <laughs> it's like I own the house. I didn't make the floors. But uh, so I she, don't make enough money to own a house. Trust me. <laughs> she's humble bragging about how she could have made this movie twice on her salary. But uh, Sarah, uh, yeah, so thirty grand, like that's. I mean, that's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, uh, but also still feels like it's too much money. <laughs> right? Which is just like, what weird. Was it for? So after he kills the monster, what does he do, Sarah? He goes and he sees his daughter. Okay, so his daughter, he keeps in like a box while he goes and fights monsters. It's like this wicker like mini hut that I swear to God is smaller than the crate that I have for my 40 pound dog. Yeah, it's... like And like has less space for her to move in than my crate has for my dog. It is... It's such a weird thing that's got... Like... <laughs> A few weeks Why ago, box? yeah. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, I, I was walking a lot, and I think I remember sending a picture to you, like of a creepy witch's hut that mm-hmm. I'd come across in the woods. 
It's smaller than that creepy witch's hut I took a picture of. Which, like, by the he way, could put this on his back and carry it, which I assume is what he does. I, like, it's what is going on. Like, like he couldn't fit into it. Yeah. Uh, and the little girl is asleep and was asleep the yeah. entire time he was killing monsters. Right. And then he's like, I thought I could protect her, but I didn't. And like, I guess a monster killed her. And I'm like, yeah, of course a monster killed her. You go and kill monsters. And while you're killing monsters, you like put her in a wicker box, like 20 feet away from you. A fucking course a monster is going to end up killing her. Okay. So we've described a lot (laughs) of what's going on so far in this movie. Just this is about a minute in. There is no backstory, just no explanation of no. it. Him saying, I thought I could protect her, was the first line in the movie. And yes, there's no... Protect her from what? Protect her from the monsters you're bringing her out to? Yes! Like, what What even is this? Like, and Just for the record, there is no explanation of pretty no. much anything that happens in this film. Like, we can all get... Film. Oh, movie. Um, <laughs> this will never be studied in film class. Uh, hey, this premiered at a... Uh, like at a film festival, it's probably in uh, Spain. The, in, it is in Catalonia. <laughs> exactly. Just... There we go. Catalonia. Should they do anything? Those people, um, except get their freedom. My besties. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> sorry. That feels terrible to say. Visca Catalonia. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just explain something. Like I'm all for leaving a little bit of mystery, verisimilitude, or whatever you want to call it, but give an explanation as to why he's killing the monsters, right. why he's bringing his daughter with him, right? what the monsters look like, why the monsters exist. Especially because, okay, after the daughter's dead, we see that he has like a stone house. Why didn't he like leave the kid there and like hire a babysitter? Yeah, it is. It's what? Because oh, it cuts to the house and the first yeah. text message after the house is shown is from me to Sarah saying, if he'd used this as his base mm-hmm. when he was killing that first monster, his little girl would still be alive because she'd be behind right. concrete walls, sleeping in a right. nice comfy bed instead of in a wicker basket. To be fair, there is no evidence that there is a bed in that house. That is true. That is true. Because he does sleep outside in a tree at some stage. Yeah. Just, but like, you know what there is? There is a complex apothecary setup at which he makes magic mud. The magic mud thing. Just, <laughs> I'm going to sound frustrated during this entire thing because <laughs> I. It cuts to this guy. It's obviously some time has passed. He's a little bit older, uh-huh. not significantly older, maybe two years. Like I can't imagine it's been right. a long time. And he's he's fishing something out of the water. Right, it kind of looks like a dinosaur. It kind of looks a bit like a dinosaur uh, or a dead monster, and he takes something out of it. Um, it's almost like it was a trap or something, and he's caught like a parasite, a mud parasite or something. And he goes right. in and he uses his apothecary set, set, and he makes some like mud. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way to describe it. He's made a mud pack, like face mask yeah. thing, and he yes. chains it up. <laughs> Beside the window, and then he leaves to go talk to his dead daughter at her grave. Right. And then he has a snooze outside in the tree. It's like it doesn't, mm-hmm. like none of this makes any sense whatsoever. Also, okay, this movie 
The main thing that there is to recommend this movie is the fact that it is 72 minutes long. 72 minutes. I swear, seven minutes are taken up with him making mud. He's just making mud, just grinding it up, mixing stuff together, putting it together. And he puts it, it looks like something a little kid would make when they're making mud pies and then like inviting yeah. mommy and daddy out to sit and eat it with them out in the garden and, and everyone has to go nom 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 mm, this is delicious cake nom 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 like it is <laughs> it's just it's bizarre he goes up and he talks to his, yeah. his kid's grave yes yeah, so he talks to his kid's grave at some point he goes and he kills another monster and there's some fog i don't know we don't see it well, but i assume he kills it he does give an arrowhead to the grave oh yes that's right which he got from somewhere and it's then it's the first line of dialogue uh, since the the last one, the first one since the last one, it's the first one in this. It's the new, second line of dialogue. Yeah, it's the second line of dialogue in the series. It's like this. They say that this brings the souls to the next world, and then he just throws it onto a grave. Uh huh. Um, which is here you go. Okay, which is weird, right? And he just throws it there. Um, and then he goes and he takes a little rest in a tree. Right. Then. Because he won't go into the house. Like, it's clear he's not going into the house because the mud is getting made in there. Oh, is that why he's not going into the house? Yeah. I thought he just doesn't have a bed. No, so he's, he's staying outside because the mud's doing it. That's why he chained it up. Uh... And this is where it gets annoying thing. Because he seems very careful about what he's doing. Yeah. And yet he puts the mud beside a shuttered window where one of the shutters is yep. blowing in the wind all the time. And he can stop mm-hmm. this instantly just by closing the window or moving the mud or moving the mud but he doesn't he doesn't do either of these things oh no so he kills another monster i guess i don't know it happens off screen but we do get to see his horrifically gored shoulder afterwards but he puts his magic mud on it so it heals it perfectly good skincare and like and like medical treatments are so important yeah it, it's like he just reaches into the jar that one of the jars that are sitting chained to the wall underneath yes. the windowsill and he just smears it all over his cut and then he wakes up like several hours later and yeah. he seems to have his shoulder is healed and he seems a lot better then he goes out and stands beside a tree and he pees right. out mud yeah I'm not here for that It's it's weird guys it's like He's taking a pee, it's clearly painful, and then it just cuts to, like, mud hitting the ground. Man needs to drink some cranberry juice. Yeah. <laughs> it would take a lot of cranberry juice to heal this particular infection. Oh, man, this dude. He, we see he has a collection. We get to see more of his house. He has a collection of orders from the king. I am assuming that these are orders that are like, here's a monster, please kill it and you'll get a reward. I am meeting the movie more than halfway on that assumption. Yep. Since we never see a king, he never talks to another person. He never interacts with another human being beyond one scene later on where somebody fires an arrow and I'm assuming we're going to talk about it. But yeah, it's none of of this makes any sense with what we're doing. Except clearly the orders are saying, go and kill this monster. Like, yeah. go kill this monster, order up the king. We also see his head collection. There's a lot of lingering looks at his head collection. And actually here I want to talk about the heads because I looked up 
the pre-production stuff for this film. So I would like to say where the heads came from. Mm-hmm. Construction of the film's props and various monsters in the film commenced before the script was completed with the filmmakers experimenting with the designs and techniques that would be implemented on a low budget in creating the look and feel of decomposition in the severed heads. They reappropriated many old Halloween masks by staining them and placing layers of melted plastic over them to create the effect of rotting flesh. Other props were purchased inexpensively by the production crew the day after Halloween. Mm -hmm. We just went and bought every medieval thing in there we could find. Every plastic sword or shield, skeletons and skulls, anything that just looked kind of creepy, crawly, medieval or metal, we bought it all. That is, that apparently was like $15,000 right there, I guess. That's, it's just, I, the weird thing is, they've they've managed to nail the look they're going for which is Mm -hmm. mixed matched medieval stuff like yes it's just i suppose it's just such a weird movie but he go he goes out anyway um we, we have to talk about there's also lingering looks on there's one spike that's empty because that's the one saved for the head of the monster who killed his daughter he's clearly saving this one spike and yeah it's like it just keeps zooming in on the top of it which has little bits of blood on it already so i'm not sure why. right um but he's like okay right and he goes out again he gets it so he goes out and this is where we see the other person Mm-hmm. Um, as he's going, right. to, he's going traveling, and uh, if I remember correctly, so he's going to see the person who tells him that the monster that he he wants to kill is back, right? Um, mm-hmm. and he's kind of wandering along, and something flies over him, and he looks up, and it's like, Ooh, what's this going to be? But nothing comes from it. But he gets on his horse, he goes riding off, uh, kills another monster. Off screen. Off screen. Yeah, we get this like distant thwacking. Distant thwacking, as Sarah has written down here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Close captioning. It's just like, w- why not show anything of this, right? But goes out anyway. Uh, goes and does this figure in white fires an arrow, which hits into a tree, and he takes it off, mm-hmm. and it's got a note on it. He looks at the note and he runs back like he, he gets on a horse. He gets back really quickly and he goes up to the daughter's grave and goes, it's back. So it's this monster that we get like a little picture of. It looks like the most charming possible version of like a stereotypical space alien. Yeah, it is. It is the least scary shit I've ever seen. It's like, I don't even know what it is. Like, for those of you who play video games, it looks like a humanity from um, Dark Souls, which is what it looks like. So uh, just look up humanity Dark Souls, and that's what this monster looks like. It looks <laughs> kind of adorable. Yeah. You just want to hang out with this cute. thing. Like, um, so <laughs> it's like, I'll just cry. <laughs> he tells the daughter, vengeance is upon us. Um, and then he decides that he's going to go out and do some more killing. Yes. Um. So he goes out. And somebody gets a big old slash across his face. Yeah, he gets the big old slash across his face where two monsters creep into it. That night, he's in. Right. So that he's in the house that night. And two monsters creep in while he's just like 
getting ready to doze off and uh-huh. he takes two swords uh he takes his sword and his axe out and kills them off screen of course it's um, off screen so it's before he goes out on his i'm gonna kill the monster thing uh and then so he kills them off screen spikes them that's where he gets the scar on his face he puts mud on his face and like a, a beauty uh, mud packet. He's, he's got, got his nice mud mask. Like I, you know, it's face masks are really important. I highly recommend doing a good face mask every now and then. You can get great ones from Sephora. He's doing a deep pore cleanse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listeners, you can you can tell I I know a lot about uh, the stuff I'm I'm seeing now. Uh, I know Sarah's going to talk about it in more detail later, but <laughs> like I haven't the clue here. My first of all my skin is just beautiful anyway. i got this, this flawless <laughs> naturally beautiful skin naturally flawless white irish skin um just don't <laughs> let me get out in the sun or near the sun <laughs> or beside somebody who's been in the sun um and i'll be fine but uh like he just smears this on and it legitimately does look like he's in a mud they're, bath like covering stuff yeah they're actually there's a brand there's a brand uh, that you can get at sephora called something like glam glow Ooh. which uh they're they're kind of ludicrously expensive but i've gotten samples sometimes and like it's their these like mud masks that then they kind of like dry in your face please this sarah. is exactly what this looks like sarah we know somebody who has hardwood floors uh <laughs> definitely didn't just get a sample from sephora she got she got the full deal I mean, I bought other stuff from Sephora. I just didn't send. That's how you get a sample. Humble brag. <laughs> but he goes out anyway. Nighttime raid. He takes... Uh, he doesn't take the horse because the horse got killed. Yes! It's so sad. There was a horse and now the horse is dead, which is too bad because I think the horse was my favorite character. At least he was, probably had more characterization than anybody else. Um, he goes out at night. He goes up by a lake. The lake looks very pretty. He mm-hmm. lights a fire and sits down. There's um, a skeleton just sitting there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, hey, uh, oh, what killed you? Huh, probably a troll." And then he's like, mm-hmm. "No, trolls wouldn't come this far south." And then two seconds later, we see a troll, and he goes, "Hmm, maybe it was a troll." This movie again is seventy-two minutes long, and at this point, I'm like, I feel like I have been watching this movie for two hours. Yeah, it's. And it's like, oh, wait, no, we still have like half an hour left of this movie. How? We watched this Friday night. Um, it was an exciting Friday night for me. It was like Friday afternoon. <laughs> sir. And we yeah. started at about half ten my time. So finished before 12. And I swear to you that it was the longest 71 minutes of my <laughs> life. I It was still 12. Uh I wanted to read afterwards and I fell asleep. Like I couldn't even read like, and I read <laughs> like all I'm the done. time. I would, I'd read till 4am cause it's a Friday and I have nothing to do on a Saturday yeah. cause we're in lockdown here in Ireland. So I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So I'm like, I'll just sit down and read. And I was asleep because I felt emotionally, mentally and physically drained from having watched this movie. It is ridiculous. It just, I, yeah, I, I've watched I've rewatched actually a lot of the movies that have been covered on this podcast because I'm teaching a medieval movies course and decided to basically use this podcast as course prep so mm-hmm. uh so I had this like three-week period where I had to watch Braveheart, El Cid, and Kingdom of Heaven all of which are very long movies and all of which are movies that I have many angry feelings about and this still actually felt like as long as Kingdom of Heaven, maybe not quite as long as El Cid. Did you uh, did you watch the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven? Oh, thank God, no. 
because it turns it into a an amazing movie. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I still can't get over people who say that. No, again, like what you like and enjoy movies. Mm. I mean, I personally think uh, Fantastic Beasts 2 Crimes of Grindelwald is the second best Harry Potter movie. Um, <laughs> and everyone else hates that movie. And I'm now going, kind of enjoying everything that's in this. This is pretty good. <laughs> but, I feel extremely neutral about that movie, except that I hate the Nagini thing. Yeah. Like that was dumb. But and kind of it's racist. also dumb and having um having Dumbledore have like oh, like this is the this is how the nothing happens in this movie. We're talking about crimes yes. of wizard of gay wizard Hitler. <laughs> like that's what we're talking about here. But um It would have been a better movie if they'd had the courage of their convictions and actually made him gay, which as far as I'm concerned, Dumbledore is not gay until we see Jude Law and Johnny Depp make out. I'd rather it wasn't Johnny Depp to be honest with you. Well, that too. I mean, if you can replace Johnny Depp with somebody else, but I want to see Jude Law make out with somebody or she does not get to say she has a gay character. No, she doesn't get to say it anyway because she shouldn't be allowed well, she's to say shit. it. Yeah, because she's, yeah, she's a transphobic piece of shit. So, you know, I don't care what, what she says, but... Hey, Sarah, pull your punches. You, <laughs> you, you rich, successful women need to stick together. <laughs> But, uh, we privileged white ladies have it so hard out here. But the uh, the thing I was well, going to say about that movie, we kind of do because abortion's about to be outlawed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, God, God, America sucks so bad. Um, in in the like, crimes of gay wizard Hitler, uh, because again, I'm not talking about this movie. Uh, <laughs> people said, "Oh, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense." It makes perfect sense. The movie is maybe the most straightforward that any Harry Potter movie has ever been. It's mm. just. It's a bad plot. And Right. But in terms of structure for the movie, it is a far easier movie to understand than anything that happens in Prisoner of Azkaban. It's definitely an easier movie to understand than Half-Blood Prince. Mm. But because people have read Half-Blood Prince... Right. I mean, that's the problem, is that none of them make sense unless you've read the books. But for this one, there isn't a book. There isn't a book. So people can't... They can't go, oh, I know what she was getting at there. Um, So in... Crimes of Gay Wizard Hitler, which is what I'm now calling it from now on. Uh, there are some weird choices, but they all make sense in the movie. Like, if you just Except watch for it. the one where you have your one Jewish character side with Wizard Hitler. Well, see, I was going, <laughs> I was going with this, right? Uh, at the end, when Queenie, when Queenie goes and decides to join uh, Wizard Hitler, right? Um, I assume that's setting it up for Queenie to have a huge hero moment. But still, in the next you have movie. like two Jews and one of them is like a wizard Nazi. I feel like that's a bad look. Sarah. Just, Not like, even getting into the like the goblins who are like, oh, it's like, oh, we have a different stereotype now that the goblins are like in the New York mafia. I Again, I think they're setting it up for Queenie to have her hair moment. I also think that the point of Grindelwald is... That he's got the silver tongue where he can convince people of anything as long as they're already leaning that way. And because Queenie wants to marry a muggle and that right. is becoming illegal and then he is silver tonguing. That sounds weird. He is silver tonguing her. Um, that's that, that, that does it, not sound good. Saying it the second time didn't make it any better. Let's see oh, a no, third time. It works. So he's silver tonguing her uh, <laughs> into hearing exactly what she wants to hear. So I get it. 
I mean, I'm not a Jewish person. Uh, which means that I don't have the same Judar that you have for that stuff. So when you tell me that it's not a good look, I obviously take it on board and I'm not defending it. I It makes sense to me from watching the movie, but I also understand that, like, I mean, if that was an Irish character going, oh, sure, Jesus, you're right. Let's <laughs> just, oh, we should give all 32 counties to the Brits, which would have been I mean, happening around also... about that time, so... This also is the person who has one Irish character who likes blowing things up, and that's his entire God personality. Damn, I can't get over how much I hate Seamus <laughs> Finnegan. People, if you don't understand how bad Seamus Finnegan's character is, just realize she wrote that in the 90s. It's set yeah. in the 80s, it's 80s and early 90s, and the Irish character blow stuff up and yep. his hero moment at the end is blowing up the bridge like, to the that is, that's his personality is blowing shit up he has no other personality and distrusting the uh the popular uh and rich english guy um because that's what happens in, in right. goblet of fire he's the one who's mainly suspicious right. of harry like, oh, right. God. But anyway, I mean, and, you know, and her only Jewish characters really are the goblins who are the people who have cloaked noses and control the money. Sarah, they're not Jewish. <laughs> they're goblinese. They? <laughs> it's their own religion. But anyway, guys, let's get back to the movie we're watching. Um, yeah. But okay. Give crimes of gay wizard Hitler a second chance. Um, so he murders this monster finally. He kills the monster. But still, there's like another half an hour in the movie. It is. So, guys, he goes out. He's uh, chatting to the skeleton at nighttime. Sees a troll. Uh, it's not the monster he's going to kill, which I'm assuming has wings and stuff. Uh, and then the next scene is the next day, and he's walking back to his house, mm-hmm. and he's got the head of the monster, the one that had killed his daughter, right, in a sack, and he just drops mm-hmm. it on the ground, and it's. Sorry, yeah, he doesn't yeah. drop it on the sorry, he doesn't drop it on the ground here. He just drops it in the hut. Right? He drops yes. it on the ground at the end. Um yes. so he just drops it in his hut. And then he goes and he takes a a lie down. Yeah. And while he's lying down, having his little rest, like this is a guy again, a guy who always makes sure to like clamp stuff in. Mm-hmm. always make sure to stick the heads onto a spike mm-hmm. at the end of the day like he's been shown to be very good at monster killing mm-hmm. then very meticulous leaves the head the most important head he's ever killed just on the ground just on the ground doesn't um lock up his magic wonder healing potion nope and while he's asleep the wind blows the shutter which he has repeatedly left open there mm-hmm. are at least five scenes where this thing is flapping in the wind and uh-huh. he's just looks at it and just ignores it you're like again why would he do this surely he would just close the window like like doesn't he have a latch it, that's what i'm saying even if he doesn't have a latch you just put a rock against it like right because it's not like the sound of it flapping in the wind woke him up Earlier. Yeah, and he's like, eh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to go fix it. And then at this point, it flaps, hits some of the brown mud, which drops directly onto the head of the beast that he'd killed. And oh my god, it's super duper magic mud. Not only yep. does it heal, but it can bring a head back to life. 
and let it yep. grow a spinal column, which can be uh-huh. used for doing lots of things. Ali, I have a science question. Yes. Could you, if you were just like a disembodied head with a spine, <laughs> could you just like kind of like Sarah, pogo if stick I was... around on that? No, no, I couldn't do that, Sarah. Because <laughs> can again, you just like pop around on your spine. Is that what spines do? No, they don't do that. They don't do anything such as kind of flop there and protect the spinal cord um, and look cool in movies when like aliens rip them out and they're still attached to the head and all that stuff. That's cool. Um, predators, sorry, aliens wouldn't do the alien just like stick you with it's like it's like penis, small mouth inside, it's big mouth. Um, yeah, it's just it's so bizarre. It just it starts crawling off saying body. <sighs> It's... I mean, it misses its body, which fair. Yeah, it, yeah, in fairness, yeah, it does. But see, the other thing about this is, he goes off chasing it. This is a uh-huh. disembodied head that's crawling around on the ground. It goes after the body of the little dinosaur thing that he has in the water, um, right? Because obviously, it can sense where bodies are. Uh, I but, guess. But it's going to be, it's like going to be a rotted body. It's not going to be a live, strong body. This guy has been killing monsters for years. There's no. Aren't there other bodies? But are it, there it, other like monster corpses around? Even if there aren't any corpses, why are we supposed to feel worried for him? Mm-hmm. He's it's he's fighting a disembodied right. head. But anyway, with the spinal um, column, it gets onto uh, the the body of that thing. But he gets there just in time, rips it off before it can assimilate the body, and it, yeah, it goes crawling off in into the woods and it goes buddy like there's a definitely like little bit of happiness where it's like oh i've got a body i know where i'm going mm-hmm. it's going to get the body of his daughter for he shouts yep. out no leave her alone um and then goes running after it he knows where the body is he knows where her yeah. body is how mm-hmm. does it get there before him it must have a sense and it's maybe faster using its disembodied spinal column to yes push itself along the ground it's faster than yes. the fully grown man who's running to where he exactly where he knows where it is on top of yes. this it manages to dig the daughter up because for all of with his, its spinal column with its spinal column it digs the body of the child up manages to assimilate into it and take over the the child's body before the headhunter who knows where it was going gets there right and then it runs off and hides in this weird cave thing. He goes into the weird cave thing to wait. It does oh. start creepily saying, "Father, father," because which I don't think makes sense. Nope. Why does stealing the daughter's like several years dead skeletal corpse? Why would that make the monster think that this dude is its dad? He, I don't think he does. I think it's playing with him now. But how does he even know that's his daughter? I mean, like, I, how, how, like, how much, like, how self-aware is this monster? Is this monster like, ha ha, I remember you. I killed your daughter like five years ago. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. Um, I don't know why you're you're looking for inconsistencies in a movie where some mud dripped on the head of a monster <laughs> and it then became sentient again and can talk <laughs> but 
it goes into this convenient cave, at which point he's walking down with a sword. And then he swaps the sword out. Uh, and I was annoyed at this. He swaps the sword out for uh, an axe. Um, right. Which I'm assuming is because he wanted to, you know, like, oh, the sword is no good in this narrow confinement. A sword you can point in front of you and stab things. Right. The axe he takes out, like, he that's a swinging weapon. For him yeah, to do any damage. Yeah, it seems like it actually would be less effective. Be less effective in the cave. Like, you want you want to be able to stab forward, not swing yeah. over your head. But anyway, uh, it attacks him. and As you do. Just like we would have expected, he has a little bit of problems because he's like... I And I, I texted this to Sarah at the time. If he acts sad about the fact that he's killing this monster who's inhabited his daughter's corpse... Um, even though it's like a, like this is just a skeleton. There's no it's no corpse there. It doesn't look like his child right. anymore. But it's really just a small skeleton. Like he apologizes as he's killing it. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, just kill it. So the end that I want, especially because it's like like saying like Father The end that I want is that he's just like, Okay, yeah, you're my kid now. Yeah, and just then he's just like going around. And he's just like holding hands with this like weird like skeleton of his child with this monster head, and he's like, "Yeah, this is my daughter. What of it?" The weirdest Don't thing worry about, it. about this is we finally get to see a fight, right? Except that it's in the yes. dark, so we can't really see anything. We can't really see anything. And when he finally kills it, he uh, he holds it away from him and he stabs it off screen. So we're looking yes. at his face while he's stabbing the head of the monster, right? There's yeah. also the whole bit also that I forgot to mention that I'm just going to mention quickly because it annoys the fuck out of me. When they do the thing where they're like, we're going to film it so that you're filming it like th- like through his eyes and so it's like through his helmet. Oh my God. This would this would drive I me insane. I hate that style of filmmaking so much. It's like, it makes it so much harder to see and adds nothing. Yeah. He, so the, the thing that really annoys me about this is he puts on this like helmet filter right and i get it like oh we're seeing through his eyes anybody who wore this helmet filter would die in a battle with any yeah because you can't see shit you can't see directly in front of you like yeah we, i'll take a screenshot it's such a bad of it blind spot. and upload it into thing and the blind spot is directly in front of it and i get yeah. it it's because his mask is uh just picture a crusader helmet so it's got the nose guard. The kind of like big thing down his nose, down right? The but that your eyes see past that. Like they, they, they wouldn't be like a blank space in the middle just because there's a nose guard there. I mean, that would happen if like your helmet was too big. I think. Yeah, if your helmet was white, but it's not. Like it's like nobody right. would develop a helmet that leaves that because that's where your enemy's most likely to be, and it's where your your soft, squishy middle bits are. And right. that's where you're going to get stabbed. It's just, it's bad. It's bad, guys. All of it's bad. Yeah. So, anyway, so he strangles this situation and uh, stabs the monster head a few times. And he goes and reburies his daughter, lovingly stroking her skeletal hands. It's, oh my God. He buries it with his bare hands. Also, dude, if he'd have buried her six feet below in the first place, instead of just putting her into... The gap why, between why the roots of the shallow street. grave. I listen. He's a lazy bugger, like. Um, but anyway, he just drops the head again. He doesn't put it on the spike yep. that he's been nope. longingly keeping for it for years. Yep. Just drops it. So this is the second time he he's had a chance to do it. Just drops it outside. He when he's burying the daughter, he finds the um the arrowhead from earlier, 
and right. he shoots it into the air. I thought he was shooting it back at the person in white who'd shot the order from the king earlier. But no, he just shoots into the air and then it ends up hitting the body of the little dinosaur thing beside the river. Like, right. I have no idea why. I... Yeah, it just... I, random. I, I, I don't know. I was like, what the fuck is with this arrowhead, honestly? So... And okay. then he walks off screen and he's going As to... Yeah, he he's obviously going to cut the head off the... um. So cut the head spinal from cord. the spinal cord, and we hear some thwacking, some thudding, some some sounds, and then something hits the ground. So something's clearly been dead, and we then cut to the sound of a body walking towards the door. I said to Sarah at this time, "Oh my God, it's just killed him, hasn't it, and taken over the mm-hmm. body?" And that's exactly what's happened because it then cuts the monster. Slams his head into the spike. Onto the spike. The one that he's been saving. It is. Oh my god. That's what the monster says. It's very happy that it's got this cool body now. It's some of the worst screenplay writing you will ever see. Since Harry Potter and the Course of the Golden Child. Um, Let's talk about that for a bit. Which is just a shocking... (laughs) Shocking bit of writing. I mean, how it's just mean to Cedric Diggory is actually the biggest problem. Like, how fucking insulting is it that Cedric Diggory, like, loses a game, basically, and then is like, fuck, I'm a Death Eater now. What? I'm, I'm a racist Death Eater. Like, not yeah. not, ju- not just regular Death Eater. Like, super racist. Like, yeah. It's like, I'm the worst of the... You know, hey, 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 Lucius, I'm worse than you. Like, that's what he's saying. Oh um, but And the reason behind this, I can... The only way I can see this is J.K. Rowling uh, is a petty bitch. And yep. after the movie came out, um, she saw the sheer number of people who were like, oh, I wish Cedric hadn't died. He was so much nicer than Harry and he's so handsome and he's not a sparkly vampire or Batman, whatever he is, whatever. <laughs> and everyone was like, this is brilliant. We all want this guy. It's a shame he had to die. And then she went, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to mm. write a story about him being a racist. Also, all of you people who said that Neville was the coolest, going to kill him too. Like, yep. yeah, cause don't be so, like, <clears throat> guys, this is your hero. Like, come on. Fucking JK Rowling. JK Rowling sucks, everybody. JK Rowling sucks, guys. Don't give her any money. She's trash. We had to talk about something scary. JK Rowling is what we chose to for Halloween. Um, she's transphobic. The um, true monster is transphobia. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh God, I hate J.K. Rowling at the minute. Uh, thanks for yeah. bringing me joy when I was reading your books. <laughs> when I was, uh, I was going to say as a kid, I was probably in my late teens, early twenties. But when I was reading them when I was younger, and uh, yeah, uh, now you can fuck off, and I never want to hear from you again. Um, oh no, yeah. leave her alone. I'm a celebrity, and I'm going to sign it. My name's Graham Linehan. I'm also a transphobe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like, come on, people. <sighs> anyway, yeah, body mine, body uh, mine, and that's that's the end of the movie. It's just the head yep. that he'd been hunting has now got the head hunter's body, and uh, it was just walking out of the just just this. chilling. That's the end of end of the film. It's like, okay, that's great. Love. So this movie does not pass the Ifjacker test. Uh, so there's no named women in it. Like, I mean, so nobody has a name. 
But even if we set that aside, so like if we set aside the name requirement because nobody has a name, still the only woman is the daughter who dies five minutes into the film. It's just... And is just like his motivation. Strangely enough... like, we, it, we have a dead lady for motivation. Thanks, great, okay. It does we don't pass, need actual women. It does pass the Bechdel test, though, which was a shock no, it fucking doesn't! I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was like... These women all die, but I mean, they do have a nice conversation about the price of wheat at some stage. Does the daughter ever talk? No, she does, does not. Does the one woman, the one woman never even speaks nope. to a man or herself? Listen, Sarah, the only woman in this movie knows her place, and her place is inside a bundle of sticks. <laughs> women. The best thing about them is when they stay in their, like, crate and then they die. It is, guys, uh, look... We'll talk about it when we get to our rankings of this movie and stuff. But we mentioned it a little bit at the start. This is not a horror movie. There is nothing not, scary no. about this. Like, I'm not I'm not one for... I'm not a kind of person that gets scared. But I do get affected by horror movies. Like, I've talked before on other podcasts about um, getting a little jump out of me when I went to see Paranormal Activity in the cinema. And that was mm-hmm. just from a door moving. And I got a little bit of, ooh, whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> While watching Halloween in 2018, the same year as The Headhunter 2018, um, mm. it got me a couple of bits. It was like, oh, yeah. no. And there's a bit where he, he could kill a baby, but then he doesn't kill a baby. And you're like, oh, thank God he didn't kill that baby. Um, but it's like, I, I do get reactions from it. I got no reaction from this yeah and i really like a good heart like a good supernatural harm you like the babadook is one of my favorites uh i really like the the vavitch did you just say the vavitch yes that's how it's spelled yeah sarah i believe that's a w (laughs) they made the choice to spell it that way and so i will therefore because that's ridiculous call it the vavitch no no but i mean it it's not two v's it's two u's it's Yitch. Is that better? Because it's a double U. Yitch. <laughs> Look at the Yitch. Anyway, the title is pretentious as fuck, but that's a solid like horror movie set in the past, I think. It's genuinely has a lot of creepy moments, I thought, and is well done, and I think it uses its past setting effectively. And probably we should have just talked about that. Yeah, we probably should have. It's um, almost medieval. Yeah, it's close enough. Um, it would Next have been year. great if the body at the end, or the head, sorry, had taken and gone, body mine would start like butter. <laughs> would start like to live, live deliciously. Sarah, I think we've More said... More delicious mud. <laughs> I think it'll stop. <laughs> Would you like to pee out some dark juices? Uh, obviously, uh, I think we've said everything we can about this movie, so we should go into our next section and talk about what it gets right, nothing, and what it gets wrong, everything, in the next section, which is very false. I could be a monk. You should be a monk. Oh, I mean, thanks, maybe Sarah. you shouldn't. Whatever. <laughs> be the worst monk. I mean, they're they're looking for more monks, aren't they? Oh, they're or priests. Looking. They're, they're de- looking for more priests. Trust aren't me. they having issues recruiting? Yes, of course they're. You can't be a pedophile and a priest anymore. <laughs> so, like, really, what's the point? Hey, listeners, 
I just cut a sentence or two out of this uh, last podcast that you did not hear. But I just want you all to know, I definitely said what you were thinking. So, Sarah, what do we know? What do we know about this movie? Well, okay. So, first of all, I'd like to note, this does not take place in, like, a year. The promotional material describes this as medieval or sci dark ages as we know the dark ages was between uh 800 and a thousand when they made them up just get that done continue sir bullshit absolute bullshit (laughs) so i I don't know i guess i feel qualified saying this probably takes place between like i don't know 500 and 1500 oh oh, you mean the dark whatever yeah i got you (laughs) that's probably when this movie takes place The material culture doesn't even all quite fit into that thousand year period because much of it is definitely like 16th and 17th century. There's our fancy wood door screen, which has this little like decoration on it. That looks really 17th century to me. It looks lovely. It would go really nice in a house with some nice hardwood floors. It would. And because that's actually the thing about it too, is that, it doesn't look like it belongs in this weird, like, thing that is, like, two steps up from a hut in a in the woods. It looks mm. like a nice thing that belongs in, like, an elaborate urban household. It looks, it genuinely looks lovely. The whole apothecary station oh, nice. looks really good. It is. It also looks like it is mostly 17th century. And I spent some time attempting more or less to do some research into uh the uh the like mill type like spice grinder that he uses he does and i'm pretty sure that this was not invented until at least the 15th century mm-hmm. and that it was invented in either turkey or persia which means that it being in what's clearly supposed to be northern europe even if we say tentatively that it's the 15th century seems a little off potentially mm. The books and manuscripts also look 17th century, many of them. Sarah, when when did the word order? Because like I just find it very strange that like well, he that's has the thing is that it's written in modern English. Modern English, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, I'm in particular, like the phrase order from the king. Right. Just doesn't sound like even if you were to make an attempt, I don't think that's a phrase that would have been used until 16th 17th century at least i don't know offhand how you would have expressed that in middle english for example but i still i feel like i would have said maybe royal proclamation or decree decree that's what i'm saying felt more right to me i can't picture them ever using the word order right because like that's a very i was gonna say modern really modern in terms of like what we're talking about but it's a very modern phrase is also, that something is an order also how does this king work because okay he has no administration except for this one guy who like shoots arrows with his messages attached to them yeah and that's all he does they have nobody who's like a crier who's explaining them after he kills these monsters, how do they, like, how does he, like, I assume he's supposed to be getting a reward for them and that's how he buys his mud or, like, mud ingredients. But we don't see that administration. We don't see any money changing hands. It's just somebody fires right. this arrow with something stuck to it. 
also there's also there's like, a how castle do they even know that the there's background? a person here like how like when there are like proclamations of this kind, like they go to like towns and villages. They don't just like shoot an arrow with like the royal decree on it into the fucking woods. Well And are like, well, maybe somebody'll see it. Meh. But sometimes what they'll do is they'll go out into the woods and they'll be about to hammer a royal decree into a tree and then Robin Hood will shoot with an arrow <laughs> from further away. Robin Hood Prince of Thieves guys, coming soon. So which is a better movie than this. Um, <laughs> yeah, <what's it? laughs> Robin Hood Prince of Thieves is an excellent movie. Guys, it's a yes, brilliant it movie. Go watch it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's a better movie than this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I, I just don't understand how royal administration is supposed to be functioning in this movie. Where, as far as we can tell, all the king does is hire somebody to shoot arrows into random trees and maybe someone will see them uh, listen the way kings work doesn't make any sense usually but in this one it doesn't make also the, the the castle that's in the background when the guy shoots the arrow is huge right is like that where the king massive. lives i don't see that's the thing is we don't know there's literally right. zero backstory it would have taken like I'm not a big fan of a scroll at the start of a movie unless it right. starts with a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away or whatever. Uh, then I'm all about a good scroll. But a little bit of information about uh, the right. kingdom of Argalon is built on a hell mouth and became Sunnydale yeah. in the future. Like something about <laughs> monsters coming out or whatever, but not, oh, it's just there's no backstory and nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's really no world building, and it's just, it. Are there other people? Like, it's also like, okay, he has this kid. Who is his wife, and what the fuck happened to her? Oh no, I, I think he. Uh, what happened was he was growing that child, um, from In another from another head <laughs> that he found. Also, here's the question. Sorry, I meant to bring this up at the time. This all encompassing healing mode. How did he discover it? And B. If it brought the monster back to life, why didn't mm-hmm. he ever just pour it all over his kid? Right? Unless the monster had eaten her head. Oh, probably. So that's why it was able to take over. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh, body mine. I get it now. Body mine. <sighs> it's just bad. It's, it's the movie's bad. I mean, and on that, we're meeting the movie more than halfway by making that assumption. I think we're... I think we're doing 95% of the legwork for the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also just... If I were making a medieval monster movie, which isn't actually even my uh, Fabula Nostra, because I had a different idea, but if I were making a medieval monster movie, medieval people were really interested in monsters and the monstrous, and there are a lot of medieval depictions of monsters and demons and devils. And I would have loved to see if somebody was making a medieval monster movie, I would have loved to feel like they were engaging with that tradition in terms of the design of the monsters, as opposed to doing exactly what it looks like they did and what it in fact they did do, which is going to a Halloween store the next day when everything's on sale, (laughs) buying a bunch of random masks and then making them look vaguely decayed. Uh, Yeah. uh, Listen, it's just, there are 
hundreds of different medieval monsters you could pick. Yeah. Like, just just make one about one of those. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, if you were going to, like, do a medieval setting, I just wish that they'd taken advantage of the huge visual, like, the, the like, serious visual tradition of depicting medieval monsters. It's mm-hmm. like that... That would have made this more interesting to me if they'd delved into that. As opposed to, like, I don't understand what the point is of the medieval setting. It's just that he doesn't have to explain mobile phones and stuff, and it looks cool. It's a cool aesthetic. Guy gets to take his shirt off a lot. But, like, he's alone in the woods anyway. Like, really all it means is that he has, like, armor. Yeah, that's true. He could... Like... (laughs) It's very similar to the movie Troll Hunter. Um... (laughs) Which is really good, which is set in, like, Finland in modern times. And the guy's, like, driving a range over, but he's going up into the woods. And then the trolls are, like, right up at the top of Norway and Finland. And real people don't know about it because the troll hunter stops them from coming south. It's, right. It's a re- if you haven't seen it, Sarah, I recommend it. And for everyone else, I, I, I recommend it. Not Troll Hunters, which is uh, a series on Netflix, which I think is for kids. <laughs> It's Troll Hunter. And also not Trolls 2, starring the Mackle Price. I haven't seen Trolls 2, but I heard I either. nothing but good <laughs> things, because I've only ever heard it mentioned on their podcast. So, <laughs> nothing but good. I'm sure it's the classic of our times. <laughs> it'll, it'll never beat Cars 2. Um, Sarah, maybe maybe you should tell us about the most important thing that we learned from this movie. The uh, yes. Historia et Veritas. So we do learn one really important lesson from this film, and one which I think really taps into some medieval realities, which is, I'm trying really hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> um, so we learn the important lesson that good skincare is very important, but you have to care for it properly. Don't let your skincare just fall down in the wind and resurrect monster heads. Just not, not good care and keeping of your skincare items. It also connects with the real medieval world in that skincare and the creation of bizarre concoctions for health and beauty reasons was, in fact, a medieval practice, even if a medieval apothecary would have looked a little different and really he should have had a mortar and pestle instead of this like spice grinder thing that he has. So uh, first of all, credit where credit is due. I mostly relied on there is a great article by a scholar named Carmen Caballero Navas about uh, in particular, uh, women's health care and beauty treatments. And she has some great material on some of the fun ways in which people in the Middle Ages tried to uh, deal with other various kinds of ailments and bodily issues. So, for example, if you would like to cure baldness, according to a 13th century Anglo-Norman treatise. Hold, hold on a second, Sarah. Yes. Why, why did you look directly at the camera? And give a big exaggerated <laughs> wink when you said if you if you and then you pointed would like to cure baldness. I'm just I'm just a de- here you have a recipe. It's just I'm just saying. Got a yeah, recipe. Okay, I'm watching. Don't worry, I'm, I'm taking it down as we speak. Certainly, it says. Uh, is it, so it is interesting. It actually attributes this to a Muslim woman, uh, and it claims that she cured in front of my eyes a young woman who was completely bald and had lost the hair of the eyebrows. She took parsley and sage, crushed them hard, and boiled them with white wine and pig's fat. When it was well boiled, she took that she put the fat that floated in another pot. She took cumin and mastic, 
and crush them with boiled eggs yolk. She boiled together both preparations and anointed the head. You may do this whenever you want your hair to grow. Also, that sounds delicious. <laughs> Parsley, it certainly sounds right. Sage, pig fat, you got egg. Mix some cumin. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, sound bad. Cumin. Not too sure about the mastic. Um, it's a spice. It's um, I think it's sort of like uh, maybe kind of tastes sort of like anise, kind of if I'm remembering correctly. I'm not sure I've ever actually had it, but gonna... my advisor wrote an article about mastic. You don't want to be combining star anise with cumin. That sounds bad i don't know i think you could i think i've had recipes that do like some like very like intensely flavored things I think sounds, that has. sounds very moroccan if you ask me <laughs> there also is a very similar jewish version from a uh, hebrew treatise from the from the third also from the 13th century from either catalonia or provence which sounds a little less delicious because it says the parsley juice should be boiled with pig's blood and white wine <laughs> well Talking to an Irish person, that just sounds like you got yourself some <laughs> black pudding going. Add some honey and anoint mm. the head. We also get some recipes for if you would like to stop menstruation. <laughs> would I? <laughs> I mean, hey. You can take the dung of a white female pig and eggshells, knead everything together, and make a pastille and put it under a frying pan <laughs> until it is baked. What? Then make a powder of it, prepare a pessary, and insert it into the womb. If you would like to stop menstruation, everybody. That's some free advice from the 13th century. What the hell? <laughs> what? No, I'm reading this again. I'm... How would How would that work at all? I mean, I'm sure it's not good for you, so maybe in that sense it would uh, mess things up in there such that it would you would no longer menstruate. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm shook. And then finally, I have a recipe for balsam oil, which sounds in some ways a lot like our magic mud in terms of that it's seen as being good to, it gets rid of ulcers, it gets rid of like uh, various kinds of facial blemishes due to either freckles or a bad pustule, according to this recipe, or indeed for any bad thing in the world. So any kind of blemish or health issue, try balsam oil. It's a cure-all. It's just like our magic mud. And if you anoint this face with a small drop of this oil, it'll eliminate all your problems within three days. To do this, please take four and a half pounds of turpentine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one pound of fear of pure frankincense, mm -hmm. half a pound of aloe wood. I got mastic, all of those out there. Yeah. Mastic, clove, galangale, cinnamon, storax calamita, nutmeg, and cubeb, 32 drachms of each two pounds of gum elemi, and balsam tree fruit and bark, six and a half ounces, ounces of each. Pound everything and mix it with the turpentine. Extract water from it. And the first, the first time you do this extraction, the water will be white like spring water. You do this again and the water will be saffron colored and golden. And then finally it will flow like honey. And then you can pour them into a, ves into a vessel. And these three concoctions possess all the virtues of fine balsam and also apparently curdle the milk, which doesn't seem like it's a good thing, but I'm sure that's fine. Wow. Also, <laughs> one storax calamita sounds like something you would need to take uh, 
some sort of oil to get rid of. Um, that sounds incredible. Right? What would they use that for? Anything. It says. Ulcers? Zits? That is... Whatever. God. You're a monster, like smashed your face in yeah. anything. Balsam oil. That is it's <laughs> just like magic mud. These tree concoctions are good. They possess mm. all the virtues of fine balsam and curl <laughs> the milk. Like so, I'm assuming by curling the milk it means it's an acidic. Yeah, I guess. Amazing, um, which is strange, but okay, whatever. It's like an astringent, I guess. Yeah. I don't know which. I mean, you still use astringents, I think, for for getting rid of certain kinds of zits, right? Yeah, if people use clearacil and those stuff. Like they're all yeah, they'd be slightly acidic. Yeah, they would definitely do that. So basically, they just the first made clearacil. Good job. Yeah, yeah. So it can cure all of your ills, like a zit or a monster rips your face apart. I'm sure. I bet it would. Yeah. But I will say that while in this movie we just have this isolated dude in the woods involved in making his magic mud, I want to point out that this article in particular is talking about these as being remedies that are circulating uh, in particular among women, but also clearly uh, crossing gendered lines as well, and also crossing religious lines. So that, for example, we see really similar things in... Uh, Jewish, Muslim, and Christian texts. There's also this interesting attribution to Muslim sources that we see in a couple of the Jewish and Christian texts. So, yeah, that these are, uh, you know, I, I don't think he came up with his magic mud on its own. I think maybe he uh, he got that maybe from some uh, some other, and maybe he like, maybe there's a woman out there who gave him this magic mud recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I bet. Oh, just look, I can't even... <laughs> It's just bad. I'm I'm still shook by the whole idea of mixing gallingale, mastic clove, cinnamon, storax, calamita, nutmeg, <laughs> and cubeb, um, thirty-two drachms of each, and somehow managing to create something that will cure spots from it. Like it's, oh, it's helpful. Yeah, the Middle Ages were a weird time, a dark time. If you may, <laughs> got all these spices. It's great. <laughs> All right, sir. Um, so now we should move on to uh, Fabula Nostra, where we're going to come up with an idea for a film, a show, or whatever, inspired by this one. Um, I know you usually let the ghost or the ghost <laughs> make sure of guest and host. <gasps> That's what I am. I'm a ghost. Yes, you're our ghost. <laughs> uh, the podcast but, ghost. But maybe you should. Uh, maybe you should take this first. What I formulate my thoughts into something that isn't just me going never would i want to see anything that's like this all right apologies by the way if there's some weird audio for a second because my cat climbed on my lap and it was doing some weird things with my headphones it was adorable sarah's (laughs) cat is a million years old and uh she was like i got up here you better pay attention to me that's what it was like she's very sweet she's a good cat except at four in the morning when I really wish she didn't want so much attention. So I just really kind of took the idea of a medieval horror movie. And I was like, okay, this wasn't what I was hoping. So what would I hope for in a medieval horror movie? So I tend to like supernatural kind of haunting films. Mm -hmm. And also I genuinely think that haunted dolls are real fucking creepy. Yeah. Just absolutely terrifying. 
So did you know that in the 14th and 15th century, there was a popular devotional practice among nuns and Beguines that they had little baby Jesus dolls that they would care for. And we have like, we have some of the dolls have survived. We have ornamental cribs that have survived that they would like it. They would like, a, like, um, what's the word? Uh, when you wrap up a baby, what's that called? Oh, swaddling? Yes, swaddle. Thank you. That they would like swaddle the dolls and then they would like put him to bed in the fancy little, like in the fancy little crib. So I want to make a movie where there is this nun and she has this baby Jesus doll. And then the baby Jesus doll gets possessed. And it gets possessed, I'm going to say in my movie, by the spirit of a child, not an infant, but like a maybe six-year-old child who had actually been the child of another nun Mm -hmm. who was kept secretly in the nunnery and then became ill and died because its mother refused to like bring in a doctor because she didn't want anyone to find out that she had this like hidden, this like hidden kid. Mm. And so now it's this like creepy child ghost because like child ghosts are definitely the creepiest ghosts. And also it's possessing this baby Jesus doll. And at first the nun is just like really happy. Like, Ooh, my doll come to life. It's Jesus. And then she's like, and then like bad things start to happen. And she's like, oh, this isn't Jesus. Uh, So that's my premise. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go from there, but we'll have some good like doll horror scenes. So she's, she's going to be convinced that it's a haunted doll, but it's haunted by Jesus, but it's not. It's actually. Yeah. At first she's going to think at first. Yeah. At first she's going to think that it's just like the spirit of Jesus Christ is actually in my doll. How lovely. And then, mm. like, creepy things and, like, bad things are going to start to happen. Like, maybe it'll start, like, like maybe the doll, like, thinks that she's her, that she is really his mother. And he'll start, like, maybe hurting people who are other nuns that she's, like, having it, that she's, like, having a little bit of a tiff with. And, like, horrible things happen to them. And it's because of the doll. Mm. So uh, then she, so she's going to realize, like, oh, no, this, 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 this one isn't Jesus. This at some point, like relatively creepy. quickly into the movie, right? Doesn't this yeah. sound so creepy? It does. Yeah. And we're gonna turn. Sorry, find I, out don't, eventually. I don't like this. Oh, this is creepy. <laughs> and we're gonna find out eventually that the abbess is actually the mother of this child. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to have kind of a nobody playing the nun, but the young nun. But I want to have Angelica Houston as the abbess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because she is also the most witchy-looking human who's ever yeah. been a human. She just but also screams she's like, witch. But she also plays, like, I don't know, like, there's these, like, she's, like, a good villain, but also she can play, like, kind of sympathetic. I think I think it would be really, I think she'd be really interesting for this role. Hmm. And I'm not sure, I haven't decided on the end yet. I think she might, she might die, unfortunately, but I think the young nun will make it. But I think maybe the, the mother will probably end up... Uh, like being killed by the ghost of her child. Does does it have to be an unknown, or could you cast uh, Anne Hathaway? <laughs> I think I want younger. Is actually the thing. Like I think I really want to like go in. Like I think I really want to emphasize that this is somebody who like is like a brand new nun and who is like entering the monastery for the first time. So I think I'd want somebody who like the actress might be a little bit older, but I think I'd want somebody who at least could play like sixteen. Like but Anne Aubrey, Hathaway could be one of the other nuns. Like an Aubrey Plaza. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. A young hot nun. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Anne Hathaway could be in the monastery because like we'll need a lot of nuns. I'm not sure there's gonna be any men in this movie, actually. I think yeah, I might yeah. only have nuns. We don't need men. Yeah. Definitely not. Um 
So yeah, well, and, and is I going, really want to see this movie. I really still, want this movie to exist. Are you still going to call it Headhunter? Oh no, I don't know what I'm calling it, but I'm not calling it that. I really just took the medieval horror movie premise and went with that. Yeah, well, I say you still call it Headhunter. <laughs> just why not? Like, I mean, it it makes as much sense as this one does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's collecting heads, and then at the end, the head becomes. He's really alive more of a head collector than a hunter. Yeah, he's more of a collector. Like, it's he's not hunting it; he's he's collecting them. Um, yeah, I would watch that. Uh, well, actually, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't watch it. I'd read a good <laughs> synopsis of that and go, mm, I'm "Not really a fan of horror movies." <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I'm going to be honest. Completely forgot this is a segment on the podcast. I've I think done, this segment was your idea. Yes, I know. And I've done like 20, <laughs> 20 plus episodes on this podcast. And still I was there going, oh yeah, it's probably the most of the thing. Uh, so this is what I've come up with. Uh, it's set in the med- medieval period. And uh, it's about a guy and he's just out in the woods. He's just a dude, just a hunter dude. He's, let's just say he's played by Carol uh, Urban. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was watching the boys recently. I, I really like Carl Urban. Uh, I He's nearly called him. I nearly called him Keith Urban. Um, he is Aomar, <laughs> but very I'm different. not going to hold it against him. Uh, <laughs> it's a terrible character, but <laughs> He's um, fine. but He's exactly just once, He's just a dude. Let's just say he's a hunter type dude. We're not saying he's hunting heads or anything, but people start going missing, mm-hmm. and he gets sent. Yeah, exactly, Carmen. And he gets sent. <laughs> um, I'm not cutting that out. But he gets sent to find out where and why they've gone missing. Mm. And when they do, they're always brutally murdered. Nobody right. ever sees the perpetrator. There's never any evidence. But there's burn marks. There's cut marks. Like, there's even cauterized mm-hmm. wounds. And yeah. they're taking trophies from the victims so hands mm-hmm. have gone missing uh feet so have some gone real missing. serial killer shit yeah eyes have gone missing even in various cases heads have gone missing and mm-hmm. carl urban is going along and he's like i'm gonna have to find out us so he puts a posse together his group of friends and they go into the woods they've been taken these people have been disappearing from villages but always always like tough guys not not like women and children just like warriors have just been disappeared farmers with axes and stuff have just been killed or whatever so carol urban and his group go into the woods to try and hunt down whatever it is and it starts to pick them off one by one just one guy Mm -hmm. gets killed and again the important thing is that they're killed in different ways and they're taking trophies right and then we find out that what I've actually created is a prequel to Predator. Mm. And because the Predators come from a much, much more advanced civilization than mm-hmm. us, right? The idea that Ireland, sorry, Ireland, that the world <laughs> 1500 years is Ireland's nothing. basically the world. Yeah, it's basically the world. But 1500 years back to the medieval period is literally nothing right. to a species which has created interstellar travel, right? Yeah. So, they could have been coming to visit us for generations. So this is a nice way to put it. Yeah, visit us. Uh, come and hunt <laughs> us. We're we're like a we're like a sanctuary, uh, an animal sanctuary, where mm-hmm. they come and their equivalent of dentists come and hunt humans. The way we send them out to Africa to hunt animals. So it's a game reserve, is basically what Earth is. And they've been coming to us for 
millions of years. They probably mm. fought the dinosaurs. But in this case, humans have finally reached a point where they have weapons to fight back with. And mm-hmm. it then becomes Carl Urban uh, using his tricks as a woodsman and a warrior to fight off a superior foe, right? Now, mm-hmm. when he finally kills it, it obviously looks like a monster. But all of the ways that the other humans have been killed then lead to our mysteries in the future of, as uh-huh. you mentioned, medieval monsters. Because it's an alien so it looks different to us and its technology is significantly advanced. So it would look like it's using magic to kill people because right. people don't know what laser beams are. Also the fact that it can just disappear at will and then show up in trees, etc. It's super strong. So the idea of vampires, uh, werewolves, all of these could be traced back to these monsters that have been coming mm. and hunting us for thousands of years, right? So I'd still call it headhunter, but maybe predator headhunter. Right. And, uh, and that's Predator colon headhunter. Headhunter, right? And it's basically a prequel to Predator, but it's set in the medieval period, and Carl Urban is basically fighting a predator and he's gonna kill it. And I, I, I think that would be a pretty good movie to watch. It sounds way better than Prometheus. Uh the yeah, well, alien. Yeah, well is it but was it Sarah? Yeah, it was. But, <laughs> it says it but, was it said it was. Was it? But was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I fucking really. hate that movie. What's the most important thing about the Alien franchise, Ridley Scott? Oh, people love the the robots, yeah. Shut up, Ridley Scott. We want to see the aliens. Yeah, people want want to see what them androids are doing, yeah? Shut up, Ridley. Nobody (laughs) likes that shit. Nobody ever, ever liked it. (laughs) What about in the second one? I make it so that they created the aliens. Fuck off, Ridley. No. Also, that movie drives me nuts because I resent that it doesn't have the balls to say the word abortion because there's that bit where she's like pregnant with the alien <laughs> and me. she's like i and she's like i want a c-section i'm like you don't want a fucking c-section you want a fucking abortion you don't want like a nice healthy alien baby to come out you want the monster inside of you to get out of you and die you want an abortion just fucking say it oh my god it's such a bad movie. Like the the other thing about that is all of it it stems from the fact that uh, not all of it, but like there's a bit where the biologist uh just decides to poke uh a sentient uh worm with a vagina for a face. Yep. And then it like absorbs into him and all of this happens and nobody spots it because the captain of the ship was on comms and he decides to go, played by the very sexy Idris Elba, who decides mm-hmm. to go have sex with the very sexy Charlize Theron just at the moment while that's happening. Bad timing, yeah. You know, that's, Bad it's like, it's a, it, it's, it's a real horror movie because the people who have sex, that's the cause of all the ruination. It's, uh, it's just, it's, right, actually, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but, because mm-hmm. it's, I've just seen a bad movie. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> It's definitely not as good as it could have been. So we should actually get into our, our last last segment here, which is yeah. Estimatio. Um, which is where we uh, we give a rating out of five, or if it's the Wheel of Time, six. Um, <laughs> but it's a rating out of five. So, I don't think this is getting a six. Uh, I'm the guest, Sarah, the ghost, the guest host. Um, I will I will start and I will say uh, one out of five. <laughs> and yeah. 
uh, I could go lower, um, <laughs> but I still think I'm saving that for something else that I think we're going to do in the future. And um, one in five, bad. It's bad. It's don't watch it. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, it's not worth your time. It's seventy one minutes and still not worth your time. We've talked more on this podcast <laughs> than the length of the movie, and most of it was like significant sections were not about anything to do with I was the going to say like we have but most of it was about the crimes of Grindelwald the crimes of Gay Wizard Hitler and how it's not that bad of a movie go and watch mm. it guys it's actually quite fun except for the part where they decide like we have one woman of color in the entire movie and we're going to make her into Voldemort's snake she the one woman of color in the entire franchise and she decides fuck to that. stay as a snake fuck that so much because she's an Asian lady Asians and snakes you know what Sarah oh my god just like fuck that like what the fuck jk rowling what the fuck why didn't we realize jk rowling was trash earlier some of us did because she was english but anyway sarah <laughs> uh, what would you rate this movie i would also rate this movie a one out of five this was not good but i just i just gave my i just gave a zero to beowulf last week so i'm definitely not going lower this time guys beowulf i we probably just should have talked about Beowulf again. What the Robert <laughs> Zemeckis? What the hell are you doing? Like that you, he made. I, I know he's kind of touched on this, but this is the guy who made Back to the Future. Like, yeah, Neil Gaiman. I love Neil Gaiman. I've read everything Neil Gaiman has ever written, and I'm like, and I, I feel personally betrayed. And some of, some of it was good. <laughs> What's it's that? like when you read the Neil Gaiman stuff, some oh, of his books Gaiman, are good. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, Neil, Neil Gaiman is great. I, I, I actually like pretty much everything I've read by Neil Gaiman. He's he's made dubious wife choices. Um. Yes, and also <laughs> then like some weird. He he's done some weird things recently, like with this whole like. I'm not sure what his deal is, and that he like went to Australia with them to escape the pandemic, and then like ditched his wife and also his child there. Yeah, I know he's a, he's a weird. He's a weird I, I don't know. He's the, I, I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna get into it. He's just he's a strange person. But yeah, yeah so I'm not sure uh, where I am on him as a person, but as an author, until Beowulf, I really liked pretty much everything he'd done. But I wonder how much of it he was actually involved. In. I, I there are right. a couple of things which are very clearly given. Um, the way that he's changed the characters to be like even beyond the, what Beowulf had them, like they've become very caricatured yeah. and very blunt speaking to each other in a way that they wouldn't have been like, you know, when Beowulf tells Rakhdar have... or whatever, he's like, right. oh yeah, you, you, uh, you killed your brothers because you saw them having sex with your mother. Like that's very gaming-y to me. No, but like Gaiman has subtext. The problem with this movie is that it takes everything that's subtext and then a lot of stuff that's just bullshit and has it just be text. Yeah, well, the problem with the movie, number one, is everything. that it's, it's a it's visual abomination. <laughs> number two is... It hates women. The entire movie is one giant Austin Powers joke where stuff right. is just in front of dicks the oh whole time so like, many dick jokes it's just, it, like it is it's it's a two and a half hour long dick joke that is true uh my and, god and then my other my major issue which i i text you when i knew you were doing this is why did it make beowulf's concubine um look like a seven-year-old girl? oh my god 
Like, like the fuck? What the f- like? That, I, I would maybe I was being harsh by saying seven, eleven. She looks like an eleven-year-old yeah. child. Yeah, um, like it's so weird. Like, like she's tiny in comparison, even to his wife. Yeah, it's not just that like Beowulf is a big dude, which fine, but it's like she looks like she could be Wilthiau's daughter. Yeah, it, that's who I told the first time I when I saw that right. film in the cinemas, as I did, um, and she comes wandering out. I was like. Oh, that's his daughter. Next minute, there's nope. like a clear, I'm going to suck your, well, hilt of your, your sword, sword. <laughs> because it'll be blocked. But like, that's, it's like, she's like, are you coming to my bed later? Yeah. What? <laughs> Ugh, no, dude. Anyway, Ugh. it's it's weird. Uh, Beowulf, also bad. My friend Catherine, who we guessed it, might never forgive me. Oh, Catherine. <laughs> hey, hey, Catherine, how are you? Um, I, would, I would give it a, I would give it less than this as well. Because it's yes. offensively bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a bad movie. Uh, yeah, I movie. I really expected that. I was like, well, this movie is 72 minutes long. At least like, you know, it won't take long. It'll be fine. You'll probably get to see him kill some monsters. Sure. It. I didn't, I, I expected better, I guess. I... <laughs> I expected at least that I would not be excruciatingly bored watching a 72 minute movie and would be like, how the fuck is this not over? Like 40 minutes in. It, I, I just can't. Ugh, I'm not even going to. Just bad movie. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, so would not recommend this. <laughs> so as we finish up, Ollie, are there places where the listeners could find you on the internet? No, they're not. I I no longer do podcasts. Probably, I I come on and I guess on Sarah's, um, just because I I I like Sarah and uh, and I like medieval movies and stuff. But I again I don't have as much time as I used to, so I don't have time to run a, a weekly podcast or a bi weekly podcast. So I just don't do that stuff anymore. You can look me up on Facebook or whatever. I'm I'm generally around, um, but like I don't I don't have any real social media presence anymore. I can predict that you will hear me again on this podcast because uh, yes. I was thinking about the number of medieval movies that myself and Sarah have watched together and haven't done episodes on. Right. And I just realized that when I was talking about Predator, that we have watched a version of yes. Beowulf involving space creatures. Yes. And uh, and it's got Jesus in it. And yeah. We, Beowulf space Jesus. Beowulf space Jesus. Uh, we also watched... Um, Solomon Kane, mm-hmm. uh, which could Fun be movie. considered a horror movie from True. the medieval period. Uh, I'm not sure why it didn't come up ahead of this one because it's definitely <laughs> scarier than this. Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, obviously. Uh, sneaking into the early modern period again, we could do uh, The Man the Iron Mask, mm-hmm. which is a better version of uh, an Alexander Dumas. Than the Three Musketeers we did, even though I really like oh, the Three wow. Musketeers. So well, we did not... two Three Musketeers, so we also That's did true. one that was not good. Oh, we did the steampunk one. Oh. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, yeah. So you'll 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 hear me some yeah. stage over the next year or so, popping in for podcasts. And I mean, if there's a sequel to Cursed and stuff like that, I'll probably I'll probably back come back for that yeah. sort of stuff too. So yeah, look look for me there, uh, and just on Facebook, whatever. Oh, I've got an Instagram. Uh, at, do you have any any pictures on it nope never will uh, <laughs> still accumulating followers every now and then I'll get like a little notification saying that like 
Elaine has followed you. And I go, mm. who the hell's Elaine? <laughs> but thanks for following me. I assume I'm still following you on Instagram. Yeah, you're you're still following. I I don't want to lose followers. I just <laughs> I just love the idea that there are like fifty people or so that are anytime they log in because Braid it, like I don't know how yours does alphabetically like, but I'm I'm assuming that people go second name first like so that anytime they're just looking up they're like who's this Brady? It's just a grey Instagram screen. <laughs> anyway, that's that's where you'll find me. Look me up on Instagram and see my grey page. You can also find a not gray page, but a full page with things on it. If you look at this podcast, uh, we do not have an Instagram, but we do have a Facebook group and we have a Twitter at Media Evil Pod. And of course, you should subscribe in your preferred podcaster app and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also send an email at media.evilpod at gmail.com if you have any questions uh, for or suggestions to address for us to address or for me to address because it's just me. Um, and I should not have day drunk while like drinking while like doing this podcast. It's just like, <laughs> I can't do this movie. Uh, and finally, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. I have a not blank Instagram at Sarah If Decker. So thanks for, thanks, Ollie. Thanks for guesting. Wait, I have one last thing uh, yes. to recommend to people. So just in case you aren't a member of the Facebook group or don't follow Sarah on Facebook, uh, Sarah had an op-ed published in the Washington Post. I did. Um, so, and it's about medieval uh, Jews complaining about something. I, I don't know what it was. Sarah, what was it? It's, you maybe uh, tell people. It's about the rhetoric of Christians allegedly being persecuted, as we have seen in, for example, the Amy Coney Barrett hearings. And it is about how, in the past, Christians use the rhetoric of being persecuted to justify persecuting other people, particularly Jews, in the medieval context. So, in other words, why Christian persecution narratives are ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I read it. It's a wonderful piece. It's, Thank you. It's exactly what you'd expect Sarah to produce. Really well written, really well researched, and even a little bit, a little bit humorous at points. So yeah, I recommend you run. Yeah, so Sarah, I I read it. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm so Thank proud you. of you that you got something like that published because I mean that's the kind of stuff you expect. Like super famous people, like, right. like Will, Willem Dafoe had one posted in Washington yeah. Post recently called and "What I'm I Know About less Women" than Willem Dafoe. You're slightly <laughs> less intimidating, but only slightly, Sarah. There you go. But yeah, so if you Google my name in Washington Post, I think it'll come up. Good. Sarah, an absolute pleasure as always. You too. Thank you so much for coming back. And thank you all for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Bye. For my Haftorah When I heard a knock on my bedroom door I opened it up And to my surprise There was a werewolf standing there With glowing gold eyes He said tomorrow my son You will be a man But tonight's the time to join The wolfing clan Tomorrow you will stand at the beamer And pray But tonight let's gaze at the moon And bathe Werewolf for mitzvah Spooky scary Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves.